Okay, could you open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, or to the letter to the Ephesians, in the New Testament, chapter 3. The letter written by the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 7. It says, well, let me start in verse 6. It says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. I'll stop there. Apostle Paul is talking to these saints, this church in Ephesus. And, you know, he's really... uh, He's sharing his heart with them, isn't he? Let me read uh, the same passage out of the New Living Translation, because it's a little easier for me to, to understand. It says, By God's grace and mighty power, verse 7, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. That's the gospel, amen? Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. So he's telling them, well, God chose me. He tells them plainly, God chose me. But at the same time, he shares his own opinion of himself, amen? I mean, he says, I'm the least deserving of all God's people. And wow, I mean, from what I can see of the Apostle Paul, that that is really something for me to think about. Praise God, he he really didn't uh, view himself as such an amazing person. But he's, you know, uh, I guess I I can say this. Thinking about myself, I know, I know my failings, I know my shortcomings, I know my sin. Can you say the same for yourself? And my goodness, when I think about all that, I, I, I'll say that about me. I, I can see I'm the least. From what I know about myself, I don't know about the Apostle Paul, I mean, he's speaking for himself, Amen. But at the same time, he's making a point here that I'm the least, but still, but still, the Lord called me. You know what? It didn't stop the Lord from calling the Apostle Paul. Praise the Lord. And you know what? Whatever families you've had, whatever shortcomings you may have, whatever sin you may have committed, if the Lord has saved your soul, if he's forgiven you, I'm telling you, He'll call you too. Praise his name. 
Lord is so good and merciful to us. Amen? And he was called to share the gospel to the people that didn't even know, haven't even heard, knew nothing about it. I love how he says, you know, I was chosen to explain to them, to help them to understand this good news, right? That simple message that Jesus Christ came to us and he lived on this earth and lived a sinless life and his blood was shed so that our souls could be saved and that he was in that grave for three days and then the Father rose him from the grave on the third day. The Lord chose him for a reason, to spread the good news, to tell others about the riches of Christ, and to explain God's plan, to help people understand, to invite them to be part of it. Hallelujah. And I was thinking about this, and wouldn't you say, well, he's not going to be able to accomplish this at all, is he? Unless he was willing to step out there, you know? Unless he was willing to be known. He had to be known to these people that he was sharing this message with. Amen? Imagine if the Apostle Paul was a, the kind of person that liked to keep to himself. I, don't, I certainly don't see that. Well, he was going to have a problem, wasn't he, if that was the case? He had to reach out. He had to meet these people, and he had to talk to them. And that was God's plan, and, and praise the Lord, that's the example we see in God's Word. He certainly did just that. And not just meet them, you know, he had to get to know them. He, he had to enter into a relationship with them. We'll certainly see that a little bit later. You could say he was willing to be known for Christ. Amen? Let's read verse 10. It says, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's talking about the church now. And that by the church would be known the wisdom of God, his eternal purpose. And you know, those are big terms for me. But I have to believe this is in the same passage right here, isn't it? And I think, well, maybe I don't understand everything there is to understand here, but I think it has something to do with what the the theme has been, sharing the gospel. Would you say that? I think God's plan is going to, a big part of it is going to be the salvation of souls and sharing the gospel. And he's using his church to make this known. Amen. And I can ask about the church. Would that be possible if the church wasn't known? Could people know about salvation through the church if they didn't know about the church? And I can ask the question, are we willing to be known for Christ? As an individual like the Apostle Paul, 
or as a group like the church. And I would like to think a little bit about this with you with the time we have. Could you uh, turn to Acts chapter 2? <clears throat> Very familiar verses here that we've been thinking about lately. Acts 2, verse 42. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Well, is that a picture of being known for Christ? It's a picture of being known, you know, among each other, amen? Amen. What a picture of sharing your life. Coming right into each other's homes. Sharing meals. And praise the Lord, we are so looking forward to doing so much more of this uh, because of the fellowships that we've begun. Amen? How much more did these people get to share their lives with each other? How, How much better did they get to know each other? And how much more could they see Christ in each other as a result of it? Praise the Lord. I'll just read to you this verse. Acts chapter 18, verse 8 says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. You know, I was asking the question, how could the Apostle Paul teach people and share that gospel message if he did not get to know people and if he was not known by them? Well, here you have it. You know, sometimes we read uh, through the book of Acts and we get maybe an impression that the Apostle Paul, he stops in this place and he talks to some, you know, a couple verses here and there and he moves on. But I'm telling you, this is not a, you know, a weekend where he's sharing in, in church a couple times and then he, he leaves. He's there for a year and a half. And I, I see that it means he's living with people, isn't he? And he's having meals with them. And, and I'm sure he's talking to them about all kinds of things, especially the Word of God, especially. But aren't they getting to know him? And isn't he getting to know them? You know, I'm thinking about it. If you read the letter to the Corinthians, the two letters there, he gets pretty direct with them, doesn't he? Well, maybe I understand a little better knowing that he spent a good year and a half, you know, pouring his heart and soul into them. Amen? Excuse me. He knew them very well. And he was jealous over them. As the Bible says, with love.
Well, I just want to say, you know, speaking of that, just want to encourage everybody, as I know is going on, but, you know, be encouraged. Uh, take the opportunity to, to become closer with those that you're meeting with on Fridays. You know, share with each other, as I know you are. You know, that's the heritage of God's people. And you know what? It, it creates such a wonderful uh, situation for new souls to come and see that God's children are genuine and sincere. And they can see who they are. Amen? So we should be known among each other, and we should be willing to be known for Christ among each other. Amen? Always encouraging the kids at school about that. Listen, come on, be known for Christ right here at Living Word Academy. Don't be ashamed. Don't hide that. Let people know who you are and where you stand. You can do that. Can you do that and still have friends? Oh, yes. And as we will usually encourage them, you know you're probably going to have more friends than less if you uh, let people see Christ in you. And brethren, are we willing to be known in public for Christ? Not just with each other. Like the Apostle Paul at first, he had to go right out there. Amen? He had to go find people to meet them, to know them, and to let them know him. He had to be seen. Well, you know, some people might not like that idea just because of their, maybe their personality. They don't want to be known very well. Other people might like to be known and, and have a lot of attention. And maybe some people would want to be known in some ways and for some things, but not others. You can ask this question. Would you be willing to be known for Christ? Because that's what, really what matters. Amen? You can ask someone that would rather avoid the public eye. Are you willing, in spite of your fears and insecurities, to be known for the gospel's sake? What were the words of Jesus in Mark 8, verse 35? For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you this, when I was in college or, or maybe at a, at, a, at a workplace, in an office, you know, when I kept to myself and I, I just did my work or, you know, it was a good student in a classroom and just kind of paid attention and, and just sat there and studied hard and, or worked hard on the project, maybe got good grades. Well, I'm not going to say that was for no good. It was for good. But I have to say, I think it was not really getting a whole lot done for what I think the Lord really wanted. I'll say this. There were those times when the opportunity was, was there and, you know, I, I said, I remember there was an assignment in one class, English class. I had writing class. I mean, we're supposed to be learning about writing, but it seemed like everything besides writing. Everyone's uh, ideas on life, I guess, is what, what it should have been called. But there was some assignment, and the, I guess I, I misunderstood what the teacher wanted us to do. So I kind of had prepared one thing, and it was, 
I'm glad I didn't go first because I realized it was very silly compared to you know, what was really going on. And it became clear to me, if I don't tell them about the Word of God, then I'm, I, I'm very remiss here. It just was very clear. And I just got you know, right down on the level, you could say, and just shared about how reading the Word of God, how God used that to kind of uh, show me where I was at at a time in my life where you know, I knew that I, was, I wasn't serving Him and, and I had sin in my heart. And I needed, I needed God to deliver me. And I just shared it honestly and, and from my heart. And you know what? I could, I could see. I could see that the Lord was, was using that situation. And they all were listening very carefully. In other cases, when I was at the job that I was at, Well, maybe there's others that are happy to be known and and be in the public eye, but you could ask that person maybe this question, are you willing to be known not for your sake, but for the gospel's sake, right? And uh, I was thinking of this man. I always love to uh, come back to this story. It's an actual account. I know many of you are familiar with it. You heard of uh, the runner Eric Little spelled uh, L-I-D-D-E-L-L. If you've seen the movie Chariots of Fire, you'd know who I'm talking about. It's a while ago now, and the, the movie was in the 80s, I believe. But it was a pretty famous movie. Um, and not to get into all details about him, but it's just, wow. It was just great reading about him. He was, uh, this, this was back in the early 1900s. He was born in China to missionary parents. And I think around the time he was six years old, they sent him to Scotland, which is where they were originally from. And he went to school there. And as he got a little older, it was clear that he was quite an athlete. Uh, of course, he's famous for his running, but he also was uh, the captain of the rugby team and the cricket team in Scotland in the college that he attended and, but at the same time, he was a preacher of the gospel. While he was a student up there. And he's famous, of course, for his performance in the 1924 Summer Olympics in Paris. And uh, the movie, Chariots of Fire, really focuses on this, that you know, he withdrew from, very early on actually, from the 100-meter race, which he actually was favored to win. Uh, because the heats took place on a, a Sunday, uh, because to him, he, he, did, he did not want to run on a Sunday because that was the Lord's day. In fact, I think that it, the actual account goes that when it came time for that, those meets, he was uh, in a church preaching a, a message. Praise God. And instead, he decided to run in the 400-meter race, and he was not favored to, to win that race. But he did amazingly well, and he ended up winning the gold medal with a world record time of 47.6 seconds. I guess they said he had a a, a very unusual way of running, and people would just burst out laughing when they they saw him. But, you know, the the other competitors would say, you can laugh, but he he gets to the finish line, so 
whatever. <laughs> they weren't laughing if they were behind him, you know? <laughs> but the thing that's so neat is that it's not what he's saying so much, it's the testimony of what other people say about him that knew him. You know, they like wanted to speak up and say, listen, I, knew, I, I spent time with this guy. You know, let me tell you, he was always talking about the Word of God. He was, he was very serious about his faith. You know, he was, he was genuine. He was all, you know, through, all, all the way. So after the Olympics, he goes back to Scotland for a year. And about a year later, he goes to China. And he returns to China to follow in his parents' footsteps as a missionary. And I thought this was really cool. He taught science in a city called uh, Tianjin. Tianjin. I guess that was the city he was born in. So I do want to say there's, it shows that there is hope for science teachers. <laughs> of course, that wasn't the main reason he was there. He was sharing the Word of God. And at the same time, you know, giving people what they needed. And isn't that how the Lord does it? He returned to Scotland a couple times. This is a quote in 1931 and again in 1939. On one occasion, he was asked if he ever regretted his decision to leave behind the fame and glory of athletics. And he responds, It's natural for a chap to think over all that sometimes, all that sometimes, but I'm glad I'm at the work I'm engaged in now, Little said. A fellow's life counts for far more at this than the other. Probably should have read that in a Scottish accent, but... I think that's a cool answer, don't you? And later on, he was actually forced into an internment camp in 1943 because the Japanese invaded China. And he, along with many others, had to stay in this camp. It is essentially like a prisoner. And witnesses described how he spent pretty much all his time pouring his life into the children in this camp teaching them and keeping them busy and playing games with them. You know, could you imagine being a kid, not being able to leave a place? And that was his heart. I'm sure always teaching them the Word of God. And he died in 1945, six months before the camp's prisoners were set free. But, praise the Lord, he was, he was with the Lord at that point. And he, I'm sure, was welcomed with open arms. I just thought it was a neat example of somebody who ended up getting a lot of attention. But his focus was the gospel. Amen? And brethren, and I know Brother Brian was sharing a lot about this, and this was what was on my heart. I'm, I'm certainly uh, hoping you see it to be uh, in, in line with, with, with what was shared. You know, we can get attention, achievements, promotion, and praise God, uh, the Lord. We, we say that's the Lord's blessing, and it is. But I, I just want to say, we can ask the question, well, what does the Lord want to accomplish in that? Is the Lord desiring that that situation might bring about an opportunity to be an example 
for the sake of the gospel to reach out to the lost souls. I want to think more about that. Amen? Lord, what are you doing? What's going on here? Are you trying to use this situation, right? What is it, Lord? What souls are there that I could reach out to by your grace? And finally, brethren, the church should be known. Amen? Well, let's look at this passage. No, we don't have a lot of time, but Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he sought please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but the prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. So you have that picture there. That's quite a dire picture, wouldn't you say? Herod already takes one of the apostles, James, and kills him. And then he takes Peter. And I think we have to assume he was going to do the very same. Amen? And my, what a picture of Peter, you know, stuck in this situation, so it seems. And if, if you could follow me, I, I don't want to think about Peter right here as being the person that we all know and, and love, the Apostle Peter and who he was and his personality, although there's all kinds of things we can think about there. But couldn't you say... You can almost think about Peter as like a a picture or a symbol of the gospel. You know? I'm thinking, you know, who was the one that spoke right up at the very beginning and preached the gospel? Wasn't it Peter? And again, very soon after, same thing, spoke right up, proclaimed the gospel right before the people, was Peter. And when the religious leaders came and they threatened the apostles and said, don't teach anymore in, in the name of Jesus Christ. What did they say? It said, Peter and the apostles answered, we ought to obey God rather than men. Praise the Lord. And who was with John when they walked to the gate beautiful and saw that man, the lame man, and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And that lame man got up and left, jumped and left and praised God. Amen. It was Peter every time. He was hand in hand with the gospel, amen? And here he was, taken prisoner. I mean, he's in the middle of this prison. He's chained to two soldiers. There's all of these other soldiers on on guard around him. Then there's these guys keeping watch over the gate. I mean, that seems about as hopeless as it gets, right? And if you can follow, it's as if, well, the gospel's shut up. 
gospel's closed in. And to make matters worse, uh, says Peter was sleeping. Maybe we can think of it like, you know, the gospel was quiet. But I want to read that verse again. Verse 5, but there, therefore was, Peter was, therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Praise the Lord. I don't know if anyone thought they could march into that prison and set Peter free because they were just, you know, big and strong. Or if anyone had any kind of clever ideas or any amazing schemes to, to trick everybody and, and help them escape. But what they could do is pray. And it says prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And why don't we just read it to see. Verse 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and the light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Praise the Lord. And it, it's uh, exciting. It continues on from there. He goes to the house of Mary, where the saints are gathered. And I'm sure many of these people are the ones that are praying for him. And you know, he knocks on the door. It's knocks on the door. I don't know if they were eating or what they were doing, right? But I'm sure they were praying. And this girl Rhoda comes and she sees him and so excited she runs back without opening the door. And they didn't believe her when she told them, right? <laughs> you're mad, you're mad, they said. And they finally came back and saw it was Peter. And I'm sure they were... <laughs> How excited must they have been when they saw him, amen? And, you know, I guess we should say, you know, when you're asking the Lord for something, let's not be surprised when he answers the prayer. <laughs> you know, brethren, I don't know. Does it seem like sometimes the gospel is hindered? You know? It's hard. Brethren, it's the time for us to pray without ceasing to God. You know, not stop. Well, I want to, again, continue with what we heard this morning. Pray unto the Lord. Let's not limit the Lord. Let's not limit the Lord. Matthew 16, verse 18 says, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Could the gates keep Peter out? Not when the Lord went in there. Not when the power of God came in there. And that gospel was free again. Amen? So I hope you can follow me on that. I just wanted to encourage you, uh, Lord, whatever you, you want. How do you want? You want me to be known in one way or another? Help me to... Whatever you want, Lord. And for your glory, for, your, the, for the sake of the gospel. Amen, brethren? Okay, Lord, we just thank you for tonight, Lord. Thank you for your word.
I pray, Lord, it be a help to us. And bless my brethren this week. In Jesus' name, amen.